Hey everyone, I'm Tangia Renee, your host, and I'm tickled silly to bring you season two of That's What She Did, a podcast about women leaders, innovators, and rebels you've probably never heard of. I'm bringing you stories about remarkable warrior women, rabble rousers, fearless truth tellers, empire builders, and so much more. This season, shaking things up a bit and bringing you a new co-host for each episode. That means each week you get to hear directly from a woman of impact and learn all about her badassery that she's creating in the world while we gab about current events or whatever's on our minds. And of course, we'll be highlighting the stories of incredible women from all over the world that will inspire you on your journey. You don't want to miss this because when you bring together lady bosses to talk about other lady bosses, and maybe throw in a drink or two, well, anything could happen. Thanks for joining us, and don't forget to subscribe to That's What She Did, the podcast. Smooches! Hey there, Inspiration Junkies. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 9 of That's What She Did podcast. I want to give you a heads up that Season 2 is very nearly at the close. We only have a few episodes left. There are going to be a couple bonus episodes for you, but I need to hear from you, and I need you to let me know if you want this this show to come back for Season 3 in March. Now, March is Women's History Month, so we can come back and produce another epic show for you, but you need to message me on social media or send me an email at that's what she did podcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you want to do and get ready for your next episode. Welcome everyone to another episode of That's What She Did, where we love to talk about the women leaders, innovators, and rebels that you have probably never, ever heard of. For guests on the show today, I am so pleased to have here in the studio with me Laura from Dinero Diaries, going to tell us all about what she's doing, and she has a great story to share with us about not just one, but multiple women. Welcome, Laura. Thank you. Thanks for being here today. Yes, of course. Okay, so you are the co-founder of Dinero Diaries along with Camila. Mm -hmm. And the two of you together are educating. Are you specific to millennials or college-age women? Um, I would say millennials. Okay, millennials Um, on finances, mm -hmm. on getting their financial house in order. Yes so important i needed you when i was in college girl like (laughs) i needed myself too (laughs) i didn't know a thing yes (laughs) and i made some mistakes so tell us about dinero diaries where did it come from how did you start it what was like the whole idea behind it yeah so camila my partner was actually um the original mastermind behind it and she approached me with the idea we launched in february of this year Um, But we're essentially a personal finance company from the perspective of two 20-something-year-old Latinas. Mm -hmm. Um, We are still building our uh, financial foundation for ourselves, and then we just want to share that with our community because we realize that um, a lot of first-generation students, graduates, immigrants, don't really have that foundation 
um, while, while we were doing like our own research and trying to learn ourselves, we saw a lot of resources out there um, mostly geared towards the black community and there wasn't really anything geared towards us. Um, so we that's when we decided to create Dinero Diaries because we felt like uh, someone needed to share their journey through our perspective. Mm-hmm. Yes, girl. Like I'm, t- I'm not joking when I say I was woefully unprepared <laughs> for adulting and money yes. <laughs> when I got to school. And I think what's interesting is it's like it's like such a taboo. Mm-hmm. In, we don't talk about it. Yeah, in our at all. We didn't talk about it. Like and. Even I think it has it has little to do with what's happening economically in your family because I didn't grow up in poverty, mm-hmm. but we didn't talk about money not mm-hmm. re- not in any meaningful way. So I remember like the first credit card I got like getting you know the the form on the inside with like <laughs> with the interest rates and being like I don't know what that is yeah sign away uh, whatever yeah. <laughs> they're gonna give me five thousand dollars. I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. Had no clue. Mm-hmm. And um, I just didn't know. Like, And I don't feel like I knew a lot of people that knew anything. And then we're going into college, oftentimes taking out massive amounts of debt, yes, having no clue. <laughs> yeah, I did too. Mm-hmm. I took out a ridiculous amount of student loans, not understanding at all what that meant for my future. I mean, I mean I'm thinking about like the average 18-year-olds. <laughs> And I'm just like, I feel like most 18-year-olds are not prepared, Mm -hmm. no matter where they come from, to really understand the long-term impact Mm -hmm. of what that is. And then we don't have anybody really to turn to to ask for help because our parents are not really comfortable talking about money like that. Mm -hmm. So it's very difficult. Where do you think that comes from, that taboo? Like, we just don't talk about it. Um, I think money, money is very personal, right? So people see it as a reflection of themselves, um, which is not necessarily. Um, so I think talking about your money is like talking about your underwear. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's something very private that you don't want people to know about. It's like talking about your underwear. I think some people would be more comfortable talking about their underwear Probably, than talking right. about their money. That's hilarious. Yeah. So what was your experience that led you to be like, girl, we got to do something. <laughs> like, this is out of control. <laughs> yeah, so I kind of have a, a little bit of a crazy story. I am originally from Lima, Peru. I moved here when I was 14 years old with my entire family. Um, so I was a first-generation college student, and my oldest sister, during the beginning of my senior year, became extremely ill. Mm-hmm. Um, she lost her ability to walk, so I ended up dropping out of college leaving my jobs. I had like three jobs back then. Right. And just becoming her full-time caregiver so that my mom could continue working to support my younger siblings. Um, After about a year, my sister became stable. um, But in that whole year, I had not worked. I had not paid a dime of my student loans. Mm -hmm. um, And I was a college dropout. So it was just a hot mess. Um, That was kind of my rock bottom. And when I decided, okay, what can I do? to start rebuilding my life, um, kind of like from scratch again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really where like my journey started about five years ago. Um, and then I met Camila just a little bit over a year ago. Um, and her and other peers like see me now. I'm in school. I have my career. Um, I travel a lot. I own my home. 
and they have this idea that I'm like some type of millionaire or something. <laughs> Balling out of control. Yeah, and I'm like, um, actually, I'm not. I'm just really good at managing what I have and what I make because I come from, I had to start from nothing. Mm -hmm. um, so I just got really good at it. Um, and that's really when Camila and I started having a lot of conversations about finances um, because she was in a place where she wasn't very happy with how much she was just giving away to her debts um, and interest rates and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really how this whole idea of Dinero Diaries started. So how did you even get yourself to a level of comfortability to have a conversation with somebody that you didn't know that long mm -hmm. to all of a sudden, like, basically be talking about your underwear? <laughs> <laughs> so I used to cry about my underwear. <laughs> we're just, uh, just going to call it that. Code word underwear, people. <laughs> um, obviously, when I was trying to get out of rock bottom, it was, it was embarrassing. I felt mm -hmm. ashamed, um, mostly because I had to drop out of school and I moved to the U.S. to go to college. So that was something really hard to swallow for mm -hmm. myself. And being unemployed and being in debt, I also had a, like really random freak accidents and I owed a lot of uh, money to random hospitals um, <laughs> from some treatment. Like, yeah, just random stories. <laughs> um, but so it was really overwhelming. Um, but my partner actually... Um, he works at a bank and has a very similar story um, compared to mine. Mm -hmm. um, and he also started kind of like at his rock bottom and started as a teller, worked his way up to um, being a personal banker um, and now in management. And he started having conversations with people that had a lot of money. And he would just ask them like, well, how did you do it? And then he would come home and have these conversations with me. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where we were like, okay, we're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. What do we need to change? And it was difficult. Um, most of the times we would get into really extreme arguments, just talking about money that had nothing to do with our relationship. We actually don't share our money at all. Mm -hmm. um, but it was just really tough to like open up these wounds, you know, um, and just be real with where we were starting at. But I think over time, like the more time you spend talking about it, the easier it gets. Um, and now I'm pretty comfortable sharing my journey. Mm -hmm. So I think you said something really interesting that piqued my interest. Is you said, we don't share our money. Mm -hmm. And I think that's even a tough topic within mm -hmm. relationships. Because, you know, I've been married for 10 years now. Mm -hmm. So I'm an old married chick. Like, <laughs> I'm no fun anymore. But, <laughs> you know, my friends that are getting married now, or got married sometime after I did, one of the questions they would ask me is like, well, how do you guys manage your money? Do you share, like, is it all in one bank account? Mm -hmm. or like, is it separate? And we went through different iterations. Like right. we tried the one bank account for everything and then separate bank accounts. And now like you, we are in this place where we're like, we just don't do that. Mm -hmm. Like you're responsible for this, you're paying this bill and I'm paying that bill. And you're paying for groceries this time and I'm paying for groceries this time and yeah. and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe talk a little bit about that. Like how do you arrive at a place that makes sense, I think as a couple for you in managing your money? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we actually talk a lot about this at Dinero Diaries because I'm recently engaged and Camila's married mm -hmm. um, and her partner is self-employed. So we have very different views of how we approach our relationships and money. But for me, um, I talk a lot about, a lot about separation 
Um, so my mom has been married a few times um, and moving to the U.S. I'm pretty familiarized with separation, mm-hmm. having to start over. So um, I'm a little pessimistic when it comes to relationships. <laughs> <laughs> so I have never been a fan of uh, let's share all of our money or let me depend on you or you depend on me because what happens when one of the person leaves or if tragedy happens, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so we never share our money when we were dating. Um, and then when we bought our, our home together, we decided that we would keep things separate. Um, to me, what it does for me is just provide stability and peace of mind, Mm -hmm. knowing that I can sustain myself without my partner. Um, and that regardless of what happens, I am able to maintain my lifestyle. Um, so we split all bills. Um, and I always... I like to call him my partner because I like to think of him as my business partner um, (laughs) when it comes to my money. Uh So all things are split equally throughout the middle. Um, Even, like I said, we travel a lot together. Um, Even when we take those vacations, um, we don't, we all both pay individually for our parts. Uh Um, There have been instances in the, over the past few years where each of us has made more money than the other, mm-hmm. um, just because we've been advancing a lot in our careers. Um, and sometimes I can't afford what he can afford or he can't afford what I can afford. Right. And so it just sucks. But we don't uh, try to compensate um, for the things that the other person can't afford. Mm-hmm. Um, I always try to say that there are ways in which you can help your partner advance in their finances without giving giving them like physical money. Mm-hmm. So there have been times where I've had a lot of side jobs um, to maybe be able to afford a trip and he would just support me with like chores at home so I can do that um, part-time job. And so he is helping me um, with my finances in a sense, mm-hmm. but not necessarily just giving me money. Like freeing up time for you to yes. make more money. Yes. So that you can make more money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Makes sense. Yes. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's also like a, it, it helps me stay grounded and be realistic of what type of lifestyle I can actually afford on mm-hmm. my own. Again, just because you never know what's going to happen. Um, and I'm not just talking about separation. Like, um, there's a lot of things in life that can happen sure. um, that can drastically change your life, um, especially when you're living with a partner. And so I just need that security for myself, for my own mental health, to know that mm-hmm. I can afford my lifestyle on my own. Oh, I think that's important in understanding what you individually need mm-hmm. to be able to feel secure in any relationship. Yeah. And it sounds like for you, it's like, I need a plan B. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to know that if the sky falls tomorrow, yes. I'm going to be okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. That makes sense. And I think it's such a good message for young women in particular, mm-hmm. because I think we're still in this space, especially with social media, where it's like there's this constant pressure to be a certain way. Yeah. And that way is very expensive. Yeah. And I think anything that we can do to share the message of like, cre- have your own agency, have agency over yourself, know what you need in a relationship, in your finances, in your career is so important. Yes. I love that. So you started, you and Camila came together mm-hmm. and you were like, we're going to start a blog. Was that how <laughs> it started? Because it, you have a blog yes. and this website, but you do more than that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, we're both 
very introverted Mm -hmm. um i think that's why we connected in the first place we're both salsa dancers that's how we met okay um and we're extremely you don't really meet that many introverts in the salsa world no it's it's (laughs) such a a live dance right like it's your whole body your whole soul everything (laughs) so it's very active um but that's why we connected immediately and that's like i said that's when we started to have those conversations about money because she was like wait how do you have a house and how do you have all these roommates paying for your mortgage blah blah Mm -hmm. blah um and she like i said she came up with the idea of dinero diaries and just kind of presented it to me um and i think we're most comfortable behind the scenes Mm -hmm. um and that's why we chose to do a blog plus it's very personal and that's why it's called you know it's like a diary Mm -hmm. um we're sharing our very personal stories and things that have happened to us that maybe we haven't even shared with some of our our closest friends Mm -hmm. um, because again we're talking about our underwear (laughs) so um that's why we decided to do a blog um but then we started right away we started to get a lot of interest um from friends uh from different organizations that we know so we created a few courses we have five courses online um and so we are just doing those with different groups of people um, varying from ages like 18 to 26 um, and just teaching them about the basics of personal finance. What are the basics? So if somebody was on your website right now for the first time, they hear mm-hmm. this episode, they go to your website and they're like, I probably don't know anything yeah. <laughs> and I need to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. So where would you tell them to start? to get their financial house in order? So the first thing is just identifying your relationship with money. Mm -hmm. So I like to always ask people, what is your first memory of money? And that for someone that can be uh, my first memory is when I was eight years old and my parents were arguing with each other. Or for someone else, it could be, um, I used to be a Girl Scout and would raise a lot of money. So Mm -hmm. it depends and it's different for everybody. But usually your uh, first memory can kind of give you an idea of how you grew up um, or what money was like in your household. Um, And just like identifying um, those emotions around money and the conversations um, that you would have either with yourself or with your parents. Maybe they never even happen. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just identifying your relationship with money at the moment. Does it overwhelm you? Does it get you excited? Those are very different emotions. Yes. The second one would be budgeting. I feel like uh, young people like myself are not very familiar with budgeting. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's an essential skill to getting your financial life in order. Um, Credit scores are very important. I didn't know much about them until a few years ago. So for someone that needs to take a look at their credit score, Mm -hmm. what would be like for a very beginner? Mm -hmm. How do they know if they have a healthy credit score? Yeah, so uh, usually you can look through your whoever you bank with. Um, they most likely have some type of link or through their app, through your FICO score, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of like a soft pool, um, like a rough draft, I would say. A rough draft. Yes. <laughs> That's a good way to put it, a rough yeah. draft. <laughs> like your credit score, it's not the exact actual number, um, but I would you can pull it and it will give you like all your history and everything that's on there. It tends to be quite a few pages long Mm -hmm. and it can be a little bit overwhelming, but just realizing where you're at. Um, I will not lie to you. 
I don't think I stopped crying until recently when I would look at my credit <laughs> score. Because <laughs> I told you I, I wasn't paying my student mm-hmm. loans and I had all that hospital debt. So it was very extreme because it wasn't just about this number. It was about the experiences behind this number mm-hmm. um, that were just very overwhelming. Yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. So here's a question that one of my younger cousins asked me. And I was like, I don't even know. <laughs> so he asked me, can I go to my bank and like get help with managing my money? Like, can they advise me? Yeah. And I was like, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so where, you know, can someone go to their bank and get that help? Where should they go? Yeah. So we love to call that our dinero circle, oh. you know, like your money team. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be made out of just people that you trust that are going to keep like hold you accountable, but also cheer you on. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that should include like your significant other, maybe a few family members, but it should also include some professionals. Um, So you can go to your bank and ask for help. That's what they're paid to do. (laughs) I suspect it as much, but Um, I wouldn't go there. (laughs) Of course, not everyone's going to be very open to it. So I Mm -hmm. always try to think like think of your close your eyes if you go to an actual bank because there's now there's online banking right close your eyes and try to think of that one employee that's always smiling at you or remembers your name most likely they care about their customers Mm -hmm. so go talk to them and they can be your assigned personal banker Um, and you can ask them all kinds of questions you'd be surprised at how much information they know they're talking about money all day long Mm -hmm. so that's where i started yeah that's a good point i'm happy at this point that i have a actual advisor (laughs) i'll have to go talk to a stranger at the bank because i can't even remember the last time i walked into my bank (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i have actually gone you know i'm not at a point where i'm ready to invest any large amounts of money Mm -hmm. but i have um, gotten some advice from uh, financial advisors at banks without having to be like a direct client of them just Mm. because i'm a client of that bank there we would usually offer that service Good tip. Go to your bank. Use that resource. Yes. I mean, actually, like physically go there. I know no one likes to do that, mm-hmm. but. And they'll help you pull out your uh, pull up your FICO score, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So, Laura, how can people connect with you, learn more about your programs? Yeah. So you can find us at DinaroDiaries.com. Please subscribe. <laughs> uh, we're also on social media and Facebook and Instagram. Um, those are our two major outlets at Dinero Diaries. Um, just follow us. We share a lot of tips. Um, we have new blog posts every week on Tuesdays. We call it Dinero Day. Nice. Um, and we have different topics all throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, we're talking about growing our, finding our way into adulthood. Um, and next month, we're going to be talking about student loans. So uh, if you need help, all students need that out. help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you are new to trying to figure out your finances, definitely check them out. Or if you know somebody that's young and just starting to figure this stuff out or needs to start thinking about it, we're in the summer months right now. We've got a lot of folks getting ready to go to college. For the first time, direct them over to Dinero Diaries. Let them get some support. Let them get some help, some guidance. They need it. Thank you. So, Laura, you came prepared to talk about not just one person that's inspired you, not one woman, but a multiple. Yeah. So, um, 
just thinking about Dinero Diaries. I like to think of myself as the side hustler expert. <laughs> um, you should put that on your business cards, dear. Yes. <laughs> uh, when I need money, I know how to come up with it somehow. <laughs> Resourceful. Yes. So, and I think that's something that's very uh, trendy in our in the Latino community. Mm -hmm. um, we are very resourceful. Um, you know, if anyone's struggling, I think you will usually find them creating some type of jobs so they can create income so I started to think about where does this really come from um, thinking of my parents and in my family and I thought of my grandmother mm -hmm. um, who used to be she passed away many years ago but she was a tailor growing up um, and all of her siblings are tailors um, including males and females in her family mm -hmm. they didn't go to school for it it's just something that they grew up learning um, and she did pass it on a little bit to me. And I actually, one of my side jobs that I've done, I've made costumes for really? salsa dancers. Nice. Yes. And I was like, okay. You can do nice lots skill. of interesting things. <laughs> yeah. I can't sew a button. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not uh, very good, but, you know, the basics. So I was thinking, um, you know, she, she went to the point where she, um, in her adulthood, she came to the U.S. for a couple years. And she was um, working for a wedding shop like a wedding dress shop um, helping make wedding dresses um, and so I really started to think about the tradition of tailors and making clothes and then I started to think about all of the indigenous women that I've ran across um, while I traveled through Latin America um, in my most recent trip I went back home to Peru I went to Cusco to see Machu Picchu one of the seven wonders of the mm -hmm. world um, and I visited the home of this group of indigenous women and they were showing me how um, they make their textiles. And obviously it's all natural. You know, they shave the llamas right there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're then, doing it all by hand for real. Mm -hmm. It's not just marketing. <laughs> no, there's no machines. Um, and they use different plants and animals from the region to uh, dye the, the, the textiles. Mm -hmm. Um, that they use to create their fabrics. Um, and it takes them weeks to to make these blankets and whatever that they're working on. It takes them a very long time. And it's not just in Peru. Um, I saw it a lot also in Guatemala. Um, and I spoke with some of the women there and they told me they've, they learned how to do it when they were eight, nine years old. So at a very young age. Um, so I started to think about all these women and how to me they're like, the original like side hustlers yeah <laughs> the original side hustlers yeah and this is a tradition that has been passed on for centuries mm -hmm. um and it's related to their practices um and it's been mostly used to um, for ceremonial purposes and to share their art to um, record their lifestyle um, through different colors they have different meaning so this is something that um, they use as part of their culture and then these women have taken upon themselves to make a business out of it mm -hmm. um, so I was like okay these are the original entrepreneurs yep um, and the original um, creators of fashion really um, and so then I started to do a little more research and a few years ago when I was in Guatemala, I, I saw it on the news over there that a lot of these indigenous women were um, partnering up with grassroots organizations to um, essentially they were going to their Supreme Court because there is a lot of um, 
big companies from other countries, including the U.S., who are essentially stealing their designs and then mass producing them here and other parts of the world. Really? Yeah, and selling them for, you know, whatever money. Yeah. <laughs> and these women are not seeing um, any of that money. So they have been fighting for the rights of their designs mm -hmm. because these are not just random fashion designs. It has a lot of cultural um, significance mm -hmm. um, that has been passed on for generations. Um, so I just think that these women are, like I said, they're very inspiring to me as entrepreneurs, as fashionistas, mm -hmm. as size hustlers, um, and the fact that, you know, even though they they live in very different worlds than we, than we do here in the U.S., right. and they're still um, finding the strength to go fight for their rights mm -hmm. of their culture and their art, because it's really an art. Yes, it's yeah. an art. It's mm -hmm. an art and it's a skill. Yeah. That's amazing. I didn't know that that was even happening. Mm -hmm. A lot of the time, actually, in their own countries, like if you go to the tourist areas, they'll sell these textiles for a ridiculous amount of money. Mm -hmm. um, and very little goes back to these women. So um, after I had learned this, like the first time I traveled to Latin America, I stopped shopping at, you know, general touristy markets. Right. Um, because the women that are making these textiles are not really being paid fairly. Mm -hmm. um, so unless, you know, it's fair trade, you shouldn't be supporting this. So unless it's fair trade, yeah. it's not fair trade. Right. Like right. I'm talking like these blankets take, I, I believe the last woman I talked to, she was working and it's very intricate work. Mm -hmm. She was just outside. Um, we were kind of stranded in a little town in Guatemala um, and she's the one that told me that her mom taught her when she was eight years old and she had been working on this blanket for two weeks and she said she had a couple more weeks to go. Wow. Just to do a, a one blanket. blanket. Mm -hmm. Do you happen to know off the top of your head, and if you don't, it's fine, how someone who's traveling to areas where there are indigenous peoples and they want to support them, mm -hmm. how they can buy fair trade or buy direct from them instead of the tourist place where they're not going to see that money yeah that's that's difficult i think uh, i have an advantage just because i speak spanish mm -hmm. um but i don't like i said i usually when i travel i don't stay in the tourist areas right. anyways um so i go to like to smaller towns where really i'm the only tourist person and mm -hmm. i don't really look like a tourist right <laughs> Um, and I just ask them, I'll ask them, like, when did you start, like, making these? How did you learn? And if you ask those questions, you won't really get, like, a legitimate answer, like, mm -hmm. if you get it at a general market, because mm -hmm. they won't know much about it. Or if you ask right. them how, um, what they use to dye the textiles, they may not know. So just asking questions, mm -hmm. I think would be helpful that's a good tip because um, when I travel I always try to find stuff that I believe is authentic and mm -hmm. is from the actual artisan that made it but it is hard mm -hmm. like it's hard and, and my Spanish is okay but it's not great yeah. and so there's only so much <laughs> there's only so far I can <laughs> get can <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, but I think it's a good tip to you know specifically look for fair trade items and if you're if you don't know if someone's telling you something's authentic and they can't tell you anything about it when you ask them questions, it's they're probably not legit mm -hmm. and move on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Good tips. Yeah. 
Thank you so much, Laura, for coming in today. I'm yeah. sorry we couldn't make the time work for Camila as well. Hopefully no, another okay. time. Thank but you for having me. Yes, yeah, she's here in spirit, and I'm yeah. so happy that you guys were able to come well, you were able to come in today and talk about Dinero Diaries. So listeners, make sure you go to DineroDiaries.com. Check it out. Subscribe to that newsletter and let other people know, especially, you know, late teens, early 20s, in college, getting ready to get out of college. Perfect age group to connect with Camila and Laura and get educated and get their financial houses in order. Yeah, if you actually, if you have any questions in general, like maybe you're a little shy and you don't feel comfortable going to your bank, you can always shoot us an email. We do have a group of people that are kind of like our board of advisors Mm -hmm. unofficially. Um, That includes bankers and financial advisors and entrepreneurs and successful, successful like business people in general. Um, So if you have any questions, it doesn't cost anything. You Mm -hmm. can just shoot us the question and we'll try to get you the best answer that we can. Wonderful. Thanks for being such a great resource. And listeners, do not forget to head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review because you know this episode was good and you know you're going to share it. So you should do that right now. (laughs) Thanks for listening to another episode of That's What She Did, the podcast. If you have a suggestion for a woman of impact or women of impact that should be a guest on this show or a woman that we should profile, send that over to That's What She did podcast at gmail.com and of course i'm always open to your feedback i love to get your emails and hear what you guys have to say to me that's the only reason why we're continuing with this podcast because i got so many emails from you guys so keep sending it much love we're out